This is Rock is a Hard Place, our podcast where we feature independent and upcoming rock bands and everything that they do to make it in the world of music. And a lot of work goes into this stuff. And this time around, we are talking with Phil Valensky, the guitar player and also a singer from Wayland. How are you doing? I am great, man. Thank you. Such a pleasure to talk with you. And I know we've known each other, I think, maybe eight, nine, even ten years now. It kind of goes back a little bit. But why don't we get a little back history about the band and how you guys got started in case people haven't heard of you guys before. Yeah, man. Um, you know, Mitch and I met when we were 18 years old. And we were, it's funny, a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, Mitch was from Indiana. I'm from Michigan. We met in Los Angeles as part of this um kind of like this this music company that would go would tour around the world and teach kids music so we would go all over europe uh we'd basically go into a town and teach let's say you know three to five hundred kids a show in three days perform the show for the town and then uh head on to the next one so that's mitch and i were touring around doing that we would write songs uh, in between these these tours, and we, we're based in Los Angeles, and we would play songs on the streets in L.A. to pay our rent while we weren't on tour. And so that kind of grew into, um, hey, man, we should have a band, <laughs> you know? Uh, I had been in bands in high school. Mitch had never been in any band. Um, and I really did not want to be in another band. I remember telling him when I met him that we would never have a band. It was just going to be him and I. And uh, sure enough, things got loud and rowdy, and we had a band. <laughs> was it clear? Yeah. Was it clear really right right away that you guys had some type of connection? Because clearly, do when you listen to the you know all of your stuff, when you listen to the songs that you guys have created so far, you can tell there's a connection. Even when you guys do acoustic stuff, and I watch you guys on Facebook and this and that on some YouTube stuff that you guys posted, you can clearly see there's a connection. Was that right there right away with you guys? The first time I met Mitch, actually, um, he I'd heard about him from other mutual friends, and I'd, I'd moved to California, but he had been on a family vacation in Indiana, so he was gone. And I had moved into the apartment that he was, it was like, it was nine guys lived in this apartment. It was just, the doors had fallen off, they did not own a vacuum, uh, it was just crazy. It was called Apartment 14. And when Mitch got back, he was super excited to meet me because he had heard that I played guitar, and he had a guitar, but he only knew two chords. And so we sat down to play, and he's like, well, you only knew G and C. He's like, but I wrote a song last week. You want to hear it? And he had already written this beautiful song, you know, just two chords. And I was, like, so impressed by that that um, we just – it was instant best friends. Like, literally, we couldn't – I loved his voice, and I loved his creativity, and he loved my playing, and we were just – inseparable from that moment on and you know so we go on these tours and we come off and play on the streets and it wasn't for maybe a year or two after that that we started to put players around us to just for the sake of being louder you know being a band how did you so we what's that yeah go ahead yeah go ahead yes i mean so we literally lived in a one-bedroom apartment um with you know four or five people for, for many years in L.A., basically trying to figure it out, trying to figure out how to be a band. And we were lucky enough to... I mean, there was always people believing in us. There were always characters in and out of, of, you know, in and out of our life 
um, especially being in Los Angeles of like weird, you know, um, managers and stuff like that. And uh, finally, we were playing the Whiskey A Go Go, and we met this guy upstairs. He said, "You know, I, I really think there's a lot of talent here with you guys, but." you need to throw away all of your songs and start again. And I mean, that was a borderline offensive comment, (laughs) but at the same time we were like really open. Like we wanted to do it. We wanted to win. We wanted any input we could, we were asking for it. So we did that. We literally just started over again. And this guy taught us a lot about songwriting. His name is Michael Gurley. he He had a band called Dada in the nineties, mm-hmm. which, um, they, they had like, they're kind of a one hit wonder band, but Mike himself had written for a bunch of other artists since. And so we wrote a batch of songs and then the, well, but the very first song that we wrote ended up winning us this battle of the bands in Los Angeles on the radio on KLOS. And so, and that whole thing was crazy because we were, <laughs> we were the, we were, in the Battle of the Bands, we were against all these bands that had fan bases and had toured and really kind of earned a spot, you know, as this. We had nothing like that. We had a, a really charming little video that we had made for no money with our buddies, and we ended up winning, and that got us to open up for Heart and Foreigner with the Mark and Brian Christmas show, which was the morning show in L.A. at the time. And that struck up the attention of uh, Kiefer Sutherland and Jude Cole who had this label called Ironworks, you know, Keeper's the actor from the show mm-hmm. 24, oh, yeah. many other things. And so they were like, okay, we're going to, we'll put your record out on Ironworks. They weren't really going to have the label anymore. They're kind of finishing it, but they had, but they really fell in love with the band. And then they said, you know, if you guys ever want, if you ever thought about changing your name, now would be the time because this is going to be your first released music. And we, we'd been called whiskey circus up till then, which I mean, Jeff, that was a very accurate description <laughs> of our band at the time. And we were, we were okay. completely crazy. Like I said, it was five guys in a one bedroom apartment that it was, it was just wild living. Like we were on tour, yeah. we were Motley crew on tour, except for we didn't go to the next town the next day. We were, we were always there, you know? So, um, that was when, you know, we really realized that we did not, because we've been living in LA, we did not want to be known as a sunset strip band or an LA band at all. Um, we weren't the kind of band that wore eyeliner or those pleather pants that we saw on the sunset strip. We just really wanted to be guys from the Midwest that wrote songs and played them as hard as we could. That's why we always loved Bob Seger. You know, he had no gimmicks other than writing great songs and touring and you know and playing them for people so how did so, you go ahead what's that yeah go ahead well well so then so the, he just said you know he's like so you, you might want to change your name if, you, if you're thinking about it now at the time so we started going through band names like pages and pages i remember coming up with so many band names bringing them to mitch and he just kept saying no 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 and finally we were going to see kings of leon at the hollywood bowl one night and i come up with the idea of naming it after my hometown um, and I didn't want to be shot down right away. So I wrote it down on a piece of paper for him. I said, Hey dude, put this in your pocket. 
And at some point in the night, if you feel inspired or you remember you have it, open it up. And uh, I don't know, let me know what you think. So the night went on, and I think everybody, you know, had plenty of drinks and everything else. And it was not until the car ride home from the Hollywood Bowl that Mitch opened up that piece of paper that said, We are Wayland. And he was just punked. Everybody just loved the idea. And, I mean, to me, it was a perfect name because it, we were four guys from the Midwest that, that carried that Midwestern work ethic with us, um, that mentality. And, and it's been that way ever since. It's, it's been a, a beautiful relationship, you know, with the, with the town. So that was the next thing that Jude Cole, who, this, this label guy, um, he got involved as a producer and a manager at that time as well. But he sat us down and said, okay, cool. You guys want to be a Midwest band? You should move back to the Midwest. We were like, what do you mean? Like, you know, you, know, you, you come to L.A. To, to find your way as a musician and to, you know, quote, unquote, make it. And he's telling us we should go back to the Midwest. That didn't make any sense. Um, but it did make perfect sense, actually. We moved back. We, get, we went from living in Echo Park, which is like almost downtown L.A., we moved back to this little pre-Civil War farmhouse outside of my hometown in Wayland, Michigan. It was a town called Hopkins. And set up our gear in the living room to play, and it was like total culture shock. There were snakes and deer and raccoons and just... And we were out in the country. It was insane. But, man, the town of Wayland just wrapped up around us, and that led to us you know, getting on the radio in Grand Rapids, which just led to the whole rest of the story. Yeah, and then you wrote a song called "Get a Little." Boy, that really exploded. Yeah, so we had, so we we got on the radio in Grand Rapids first with like "Welcome to My Head," and that kind of that was the first thing that spread around the country for us. So we set out on tour. We had a little two week tour planned um, that the morning show, the Free Beer and Hot Wings guys, had helped us set up in their markets. And once we were going out there. We just loved it so much. Like this local RV company called American RV in Grand Rapids, they gave us an RV to use. As soon as we got on the road, we were like, we're not going back. We are not going back. This is what we've always wanted to do. So I just kept booking us in front of the next tour dates. And that went on, you know, that for, well, it went on honestly for eight years. But uh, that's how that endless tour started. And because we were touring like that, we never stopped. We really never stopped to record again we, once that Welcome to My Head EP came out. So then every time we stopped, we'd do a song like, I think, Reno, you know, and then if we stopped for a day or so, we recorded Get A Little. And I remember thinking with Get A Little, because that was written, that was written with um, a really good friend of mine in mind. I was thinking, you know, my friends that I grew up with are, are welders, uh, a lot of them construction workers, um, guys that just work really hard all year round. And, and I remember kind of seeing that and thinking about that, that lifestyle. And, um, you know, that's what we wrote the song about is just <laughs> working so hard and getting home at the end of the night and cracking a beer and waiting for the weekend to cut loose. So we, we planned that video ourselves and we, we made that video, uh, like with his tractor and us closing off the streets. Um, the mayor was out there with us. He helped us get a fire truck to get those aerial shots. And we used all local, you know, Wayland businesses, from the farms to um, the mechanic shop and the kitchen. And, uh, yeah, that video is what really 
went viral and blew up and got this. I mean, I remember the song debuting at number six on the iTunes rock charts. It was right next to ACDC and Queen. Hmm. Uh, and it, and we didn't, it was just us on our own. I think it was just, uh, it just struck a nerve with people. Um, it was fun. It was really cool. So, and that kept us going. We just literally then, then, you know, bloody sunrise came out and broke top 40 on the radio. It was super exciting. And, um, we finally decided we, we wanted to make a record, but didn't know how to stop touring. So we didn't, we made the record in Memphis, but we would just go in for like a week at a time and then keep touring in between. So record for a week, go out and tour for three weeks, come back and record for a week and a half, hit the road again for a couple of weeks. And that's how rinse and repeat came about. And we ended up staying with, um, Zach Myers and the band shine down. We stayed at his house during that process. And, uh, which is how the conversation sparked up when we needed like one more song for the record. And he's like, you know, um, we've got a couple songs that we recorded for sound of madness, which I'm sure you're familiar with that album, right, Jeff? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And, And he said, uh, he said, there's nobody else that I could imagine singing these songs other than Brent, um, except for Mitch. And that was a huge compliment to Mitch. Mm-hmm. So he sent us over a couple demos, and we really connected with that song Ghost um, that they had done for Sound of Madness. And we, uh, we, the, and they gave us the open opportunity to rewrite it because we're really, I mean, we're we're really serious about writing songs that are from our hearts, that are a part of us, that describe our lives. And so we reworked it. We, we love the song, but we reworked it and we uh, changed some lyrics and stuff to make it the story of, well, I mean, to me, that song is just about, you know, it's about people coming in and out of our lives. Like we had to get used to that really fast in this world. Um, people that you think are going to be in your life forever are all of a sudden gone. And people that you never expect to be in your life for more than a night, you know, end up being a part of it uh, forever sometimes. And so that's what that song's about. Um, you guys played that song, right, Ghost? Oh, absolutely, yeah. You, you yeah, yeah. yeah. So that so that led off the whole uh, rinse and repeat thing, which, uh, you know, we toured on it for, for a good year and a half, and then, and then it was time. Like, we had kind of watched our band, I mean, eight years, 300 days a year, like we we knew other bands that called themselves Road Dogs, that like they were not touring anywhere near what we were. Um, not to take away from that, I'm, congratulations to them that they were <laughs> strategic about it. We were insane, uh, and it just kind of hit a point where we realized it was best for us, um, our mental health, our nervous systems, and the strategy behind our business and our band to come off the road and really reassess where this thing had gone and where it was at so we could take the right steps forward. Because, um, you know, the, the idea from the very beginning, like, you know, Jesse Dupree from Jackal was managing the band uh, back in 2012, 13. He had told me when I first met him that we needed to go out there and make a fan base that nobody could take away from us. And... That's what we did. We went out there and, you know, those 70,000 people on our Facebook or whatever it is, we met every single one of them. Mm-hmm. 
And so the plan was to do that and then make a record for them, which was was crazy because, so the end of that, we did that Kiss Cruise and we did the Bon Jovi Cruise and did a couple tour dates this summer. We were really trying to get off the road all year, and which didn't happen until the end of August this year. But when we did, um, it was interesting to kind of see how hardcore our fan base was. The Wheeling Warriors were like, people were confused, people were upset. Um, sense of frustration was really coming across um, on through social media that we weren't on the road. And I, you know, I'm, that's that makes sense because we didn't really explain to everybody why. We didn't tell them it's because we wanted to, you know, hit the reset button and make them an amazing record, um, which is what they deserve. You know, I don't want to just keep cranking out songs that we stopped in LA for a day to record between tour dates. Like we want to put some thought into this. And Mitch and I wanted the opportunity to take a look at this entire journey and remember why we started this and why we sacrificed those eight years. Because like the word sacrifice has never been so powerful to me. Like I look back to, we did not go to one, family birthday, funeral, wedding, uh, births, uh, parties, graduation parties, you name it. All the things that I think I hear people doing in their life and going to, we did not do any of those yeah. because we had tour dates. Yeah, you know, we, a, we couldn't let anybody down. Yeah, there's a sacrifice that you guys go through to make it in this business and, and to make some money in, the, in this business so you can keep going. And that's one of them. You have to give up some family and friendship time for sure. That can't be yeah, easy. Which, which we never had a problem with. Like, I'm not complaining about that. That's mm -hmm. something that we signed up for that we, I wouldn't have it any other way. But, but through that, we end up, we lost friends. Like some of my childhood friends will never understand why I was not at their wedding. And, and that, that, there were some very painful times that, you know, through, through that. Are there so, some are there some difficulties in, cause you, you have had a few lineup changes and I know, you know, life does that to you. Some, you, you meet some people, you, you, you get married, you do some other things. So I is just kind of keep going, moving forward when a couple of, maybe one or two guys, other guys in, in the band decided to not do it anymore. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, you can't expect, everybody's different, you know, and you just can't expect people to want to live the way that Mitch and I live forever. Like, that's what I've realized. Like, this is our band. This is all we think about 24 hours a day. Like, we've had, we've had girlfriends break up with us because all we think about is our band. You know, that's going to happen. Um, but, like, you know, th so, like, maybe someone's in the band for, I mean, Tyler, our, you know, our drummer for a while, he was in the band for 11 years. And it was an amazing time. And then it was time for him to take another life path and that's awesome like that's okay like you know i think people don't realize how many people they have probably quit their job and stuff or move on to a different job or take a different life path and in a band for some reason it does seem different um but we've we've been always really open about it and really flexible and and encouraging to whoever's coming in and out of our lives. You know, we just want to make great music. We want to be good musicians. And so we just always want to have the best band. You know, so if someone's heart isn't in it, it's definitely, it's better for everybody, including the fans, that that they go do what they want to do, you know? Mm-hmm. 